Increasingly in our society, children grow up without their father or their mother, and increasingly we see the negative effects of this played out in their lives. Kids with a poor self-image, kids that are less likely to exhibit empathy, kids that are more likely to engage in antisocial behavior, engage in high-risk behaviors such as drug use and criminal activity. The fact that uh, the most optimal life experience for a child is to have both a father and a mother who understand and live out their roles is so self-evident that I'm not going to spend time arguing the point. Uh, But I will say this from the outset, that if you find yourself raising your kids alone or in a blended family, you already know that you face an uphill battle to raise your kids right and maybe an uphill battle even to maintain your sanity. Uh, The simple fact of the matter is that your kids will not be raised in a perfect home. But if it's any consolation to you, no kids are raised in in a perfect home. And if you're a parent, if, let this be a consolation to you as well, that even the two kids, if you will, that were raised in a perfect home, Adam and Eve, well, their heavenly father had some trouble with them too. So regardless of your specific life situation, you simply need to do your best. And that's what this message is really all about. How to be the very best kind of dad or mom that God intended you to be. And so let's talk about fatherhood first. Now, as you probably know, the Bible calls God Father repeatedly. Jesus called him his Father. Jesus told us to pray our Father who is in heaven. Paul called God the Father and so this is a, just a common, repeated theme throughout, especially the New Testament, that God is our Father. And what that indicates for us today is this simple fact. God is the source of all fatherhood. Being a father is something that can be found in the very nature of God. If we understand who God is, we understand what fathers ought to be. And so I would say this, that as a, as a father myself of three children... I am an imperfect reflection of a perfect Heavenly Father. And if you are a father, then you fit that bill too. You are an imperfect reflection of a perfect Heavenly Father. And I want you to pause for a minute and just think about this. Because earlier in this series, we discovered a very important truth that all humans are made in God's image. You, as a male or female, you are made in the very image of God, and this means that you are God's royal representatives on the earth. That's that's what we are. You are God's royal vice regent on the earth, and God has given you a certain sphere of authority, and He wants you, in that sphere of authority, to live out your role as His representative. And so if you are a man with children, you represent a certain aspect of God's character to your kids. 
you represent the fatherhood of God to your kids. It is as if God's fatherhood shines on you and you are a mirror that reflects that fatherhood to your children. Now, of course, we know that God's fatherhood is perfect because God is perfect and holy. And sometimes we know that we are very imperfect mirrors of that. The problem is that if we reflect God's fatherhood too imperfectly, imperfectly, if the mirror that is us is too warped, if we are too distorted, then our kids will receive a warped and distorted view of God. They might even turn away from having a personal relationship with God if their view of Him is too distorted. I wonder, and only uh, time will tell, how many of our kids who have gone away from God have done so because their fathers were too warped and distorted a mirror of God's perfect fatherhood. Wouldn't that be terrible for a person to go his or her entire life without a relationship with God because his or her dad was a poor reflection of God? Now, let me say this. Not every person who turns away from God does so because of their dad. In fact, there are many examples of great Godly dads who have children that turn from God. The prodigal son comes to mind. The question for us today is, how can we as men, how can we as dads, some of us are granddads or even great-granddads, how can we reflect God properly Now, this is a very exhaustive subject, but I'm just going to share with you two big ideas. Number one, take delight in your children. Men, take delight in your kids. When Jesus was baptized, God the Father spoke these words from heaven. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. I want you to think about that. God the Father had so much joy in His Son that it overflowed from the realm of heaven to earth. And yet some of us, can't find the joy in our own kids that it could overflow from our mind to our mouth. And that's a shame. You see, God, on that day, He audibly expressed the pleasure that His Son gave Him. Dads, listen. Not only do you need to find joy in your kids, but you need to express it verbally. They need to hear it. Your kids need to hear of your approval of them. You need to tell them that you make that they make you happy. You need to tell them 
that you believe in them. You need to give them confidence. You need to say these words. They need to hear these words. You can do it. When dad says you can do it, that's power. That is the power to conquer a mountain. That is power right there. If your dad says, you can do it. You know, some adults live their entire lives waiting for their father to say, I'm proud of you. Or, I love you. Don't do that to your kids. They need to hear you express your love and your approval. Your spoken word, Dad, is so incredibly powerful. It is a blessing that can set the course of their entire lives. When your kids hear you express your love for them, then they will know that they are always loved by their dad. You remember later in John chapter 17, that great high priestly prayer of Jesus, that beautiful prayer of Jesus, Jesus is praying to his Father, and John records these words. And Jesus prayed this. This was part of his prayer to his heavenly Father. He said, You loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus knew he was loved. And your kids ought to know that they're loved by their Father, too. Your kids should never doubt that you love them. I mean, if everything else is going wrong in their lives, they should always be able to say, well, my dad loves me. Now, they're able to say that about mom. They know mama loves them. They ought to be able to say it about dad, too. At least my dad loves me. They ought to be able to say that. When everything else is going wrong in their lives, they ought to know it. Big idea number two, okay? Number one, you need to affirm your kids. You need to let them know that you love them, okay? Big idea number two, discipline and instruct your children. Ephesians 6.1 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What does this mean, do not provoke your children to anger? I mean, some of you might be thinking, what, what does it matter if a kid gets angry? They're not in charge, I'm in charge. Listen, Scripture says do not provoke your children to anger. You provoke your children to anger when, when you are angry. They see you do it. They mimic it. Anger begets more anger. You should always try to discipline your kids with a gentle spirit. Sometimes that's hard. They get on your last nerve. I understand. But you need to take a moment, take a breath, regain your gentleness, and discipline them in gentleness. You can also provoke your kids to anger when you change the boundaries haphazardly. You and your wife need to agree on the household rules and then stick to them. I mean, you can't play a game of football if the sideline keeps moving this way and that way. You can't 
play a game of baseball if you don't know what's fair and what's foul. No, the boundaries are set. It's either out of bounds, it's either foul, it's fair, it's inbounds. The, the boundaries are set. That makes the game fun. And life is no fun for kids if the boundaries are always changing. If mama says one thing and daddy says another and they don't know what to do, you need to have the same boundaries, set the same rules, and stick to it. Listen, the best way to discipline your kids Three simple things. Number one, set the boundaries beforehand. Number two, set the penalty for breaking the rules beforehand. That way you're not having to come up with some type of penalty when you're angry about it because they broke the rule. And number three, when the discipline is finished, make sure that there is full restoration between you and your child. Make sure that your child knows we're good. You did the wrong thing. You crossed the boundary, you received the punishment that we told you beforehand that you'd receive, took the cell phone away for a week or whatever it might have been, but we're good. You and I are good. I love you. I've always loved you. I always will. Let them know that. One last word to the fathers. Your sons and your daughters will learn from you how a man should treat his wife and his kids. So you better do your best to get that right. They're going to learn it from you. So if you treat your wife poorly, if you treat your kids poorly, that will be indelibly stamped upon their hearts so that when they grow to be an adult, they will either look for that if they are a female or they will try to cause that if they are a male. Get that part right. Treat your wife and your kids right if you're a father. Now, let's talk about motherhood. One of the incredible things about God is that not only is fatherhood found in His nature, but so is motherhood. But let me be clear about one thing. It is totally inappropriate to call God mother, as some feminists like to do today, and some liberal theologians like to do today. That is totally inappropriate. It verges on blasphemy to do such a thing. Because being a mother is a submissive role to the head of the family, the father. And God the Father is not submissive in any way to anyone. And so it is inappropriate to ever call God mother. But please understand this as well. Every aspect of what a mother is can be found in the very nature of God himself. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13, a beautiful verse, we read this, and this is God speaking, as a mother comforts her son, so I will comfort you. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the comforter. In John 14, 26, he said, but the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom God the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have, all, that I have told you. In fact, Jesus said that he would send the Holy Spirit to us so that we would not be orphans. An orphan is someone without a mama. John 14, 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. 
I am coming to you. Who is he referring to? He's coming to them through the role of the Holy Spirit. Additionally, we know in, our, in this world who it is that gives birth to physical children. It's the mother, obviously. But who is it that births us into the family of God? It's the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, Jesus said, Whatever is born of flesh is flesh, but whatever is born of spirit is spirit. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Mothers, listen to me. I believe that if you will observe the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you will be able to discern your responsibilities as a mother. It is the Spirit of God who bore us. It is the Spirit of God who shares His life with us. It is the Spirit of God who sustains us. It is the Spirit of God who comforts us. It is the Spirit of God who teaches us. Mothers, if you are married, pay attention to how the Holy Spirit represents God the Father and God the Son to us. For this is the way that you will need to represent your husband to your children. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He said, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own, but He will speak whatever He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me, Jesus said, because He will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. That is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. You see, the Spirit of God is submissive in his role to the role of the Father and the Son. In the Spirit's ministry to us, he represents the Father and the Son. And likewise, a mother should be submissive to her husband. And when she speaks to her children, she is representing the, representing the authority of her husband. When a mother fails to do this, and when a mother resists the will of her husband, it damages the order of authority that God has established for the home. Moms, don't expect your kids to respect your authority if you act in such a way as to destroy the authority of the home. They'll simply follow your example, but this time you'll be on the receiving end of the rebellion. A child should know beyond all doubt that the dad is the head of the family and that mom speaks for dad and the dad's authority backs up what mom says. And when a child understands that, that child will be more apt to obey and will have much more love and respect for both parents. You'll also avoid the scenario of the child trying to use one parent against another just to get the child's way. Another lesson from the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to be exactly what the verse says that's on the screen 
and that is to be a comforter. This, the Holy Spirit is a helper. The Holy Spirit is an encourager. The Holy Spirit is a consoler, and so can moms be. A mother should always try to be close to her children. She should try to give them assistance whenever they need it. You see, this world will always try to apply pressure to put on mothers to put secondary things ahead of their kids. But there is no greater calling than providing for the next generation with a stable, loving home. You know, husbands and, ch and children should be forever grateful for the crucial ministry that mothers bring. But being a mother is a calling that never gets the recognition that it deserves. If a mother feels unappreciated, she might become irritable and unpleasant. And this can make the entire home have a bad mood. The father may be the head of the home, but the mother is the heart of the home. Moms, there are no guarantees that your husband and children will show the, you the appreciation that you deserve. But the Holy Spirit can give you the strength to become the kind of mother that your kids need. Your kids need someone near to them who loves them more than life itself, whose heart overflows with the joy of Jesus Christ, someone who remains calm during trying circumstances, who is patient and kind, someone who is an encourager. And here are just a couple of things that every mother, regardless of her circumstances, can do. Number one, spend time with your kids. Spend time with your kids. If you're busy doing chores like fixing dinner and doing laundry, get the kids to put down their video games and help you. Let them join in on the joy of household chores. Partner up with them. When your kids are young, read to them. The most important skill set your kids will probably ever learn is the ability to read. When Timothy, our oldest child, was in kindergarten, this was a new experience for us. To have our oldest child be turned over to the public school system. Oh my. But we had the most wonderful kindergarten teacher. Just an absolute gem of a lady. And finally, at the end of the school year, it came time for the awards banquet for this classroom. And every single child got an award. Some, some, and so all the parents were there. We were seated with all the parents and the kids put on a show. And then all the awards came out and some kids were most inquisitive and some were you know, the most active. And, and she was really having to stretch to find the most something for every single kid, as you can imagine. And finally it got time near the very end and Timothy's name had not been called, and the teacher said, and remember, we're seated with all these other parents. Everyone's got their cameras out that are video recording everything. And the teacher said, and the best reader goes to Timothy Rhodes. And Amy said, I knew it. 
And we're seated there with all these parents. I'm like, oh, they're going to kill us right here. But he was a good reader. Why? Because of mama. Our kids are success to this day because of that lady right over there. She taught them how to read. She spent time with them. She loved on them the way a mother should. And even though I was a little bit embarrassed for her to overflow, overflow with that much joy in front of all these other parents, I'm not embarrassed for my kids, and I'm not embarrassed for her. She made a permanent impact on their lives. Read to your kids. Moms, you can teach your kids the Word of God. Teach your kids the Word of God. When I was about five or six years old, my mom read to me a chapter of a book. And I, I don't know the name of the book, but the essence of the book was Leading Your Child to Christ. And it was a book meant to be read a chapter at a time. And it would tell the gospel story. And it finally got to the point where we talked about sin. And my mom was reading this, and, my, and the question in the book was for the child. And my mom asked me this question. Are you a sinner? And my response was, I knew that was coming. <laughs> Teach your kids the Word of God. Even if they know it's coming. Teach them the Word of God. It'll pay off. I'm going to finish this message by just reading a passage. It won't appear on the screen behind me. But you know what this passage probably is in Proverbs 31, verse 10, and following. An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. The heart, her, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight, she is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. 
Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She opens her, her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hand. And let her works praise her in the gates. Father in heaven, my heart is so grateful because I have a wife like that. And Father, I thank you that this church has so many women that too are like that. Lord, I pray for the ladies who have lived their lives right, who fear your name, that they might impart their wisdom to those that are still still seeking and striving to be a good mom. And Father, I pray for all the dads that you would help them to be a proper reflection of your fatherhood so that their homes might be filled with order, their homes might be filled with love, where every single person flourishes spiritually. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.